week's action show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan. And DigitalOcean. Go to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing, all one word like you're slurring it, and spin up your own Linux rig for free. And Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money. Welcome to Linux Action Show, episode 410. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hey, Noah, good morning to you. Guess what? Huge, unbelievably magnificent show. Big show, you might say. Coming up this week, we did something for you. Not just showing up on Easter Sunday to give you a little Linux content. No, my friends, we took a walk down an avenue where we got punched in the face and robbed once before just for the purposes of your entertainment. Both Noah and I have redeployed OwnCloud version 9 this time. And we're going to give you our review and thoughts on something that has burned us badly in the past. I've got some new work cases for it that I'll kind of show you how I do them. And you might be impressed, especially if you've been looking to replace Google Docs and Evernote. So give our thoughts on that and how OwnCloud 9 is stacking up. In the news segment, Red Hat is making the money monies. We're going to tell you about a major milestone that they just busted through. Brand new, fancy, fancy version of GNOME. I'll tell you about some of the great features and that. Also, some other news stories. But more important than all of that. Towards the end of the show, in the caboose, as I like to call it, one of the most important things to ever happen to this show, Noah versus Emma in the Switch to Linux competition, a brand new development will be revealed in this week's episode. It's huge. A two-parter, a two-parter development, Noah, a two-parter. First part coming up here in the picks, second part coming up in the feedback segment, because you know what, Noah, I just mentioned it, because you know what, what else do we got, Noah, what else do, what, Noah, Noah, Noah. We got the picks! That's right, we got the picks. Yeah, we got, okay, all right. Okay, so we got a little hyped. We're a little excited today because we've been screwing around on the live stream. I love this one, though. It's Maple, but not as you know it. And it runs Linux. What is the Maple? And tell me all about this, Noah. This looks cool. I, I believe, so I, <laughs> I think I actually typoed it. I think it's actually Maple Syrup. But um, he writes it. And so the thing is, he actually had a, a super, super, super long uh, explanation. And I have concatenated it down, to, or, or well, condensed it down to what we can read on air. But I've linked uh, to his entire explanation because it's super, super interesting if you, if you, if you want to know a little bit more about it. But in he writes it and says, I'm writing to answer your question in last episode 404 that Maine does not, in fact, have Wi-Fi. I've been working on a project for a local sugar house to bring remote monitoring of maple syrup operation at run as a small family business. I Love enjoy it. a lot of the content at Jupiter Broadcast now delivering billable value from your content and i will be becoming a patron over at patreon.com i also checked out teespring.com and found a jb polo but unfortunately mm. it's out of stock stay tuned if i were to find a jb last tech snap tech talk today bsd now or linux unplugged polo in the near future i would be sure to pick one up thanks for the great programming please keep it up and if you he goes into like it, there's there's some pictures that he has linked here but he what am i seeing here no i'm seeing like a collection of wires and usb ports and sensors right. like what is this so thing? i so he has so uh, so he says um, he says uh, the constraints of the project required an inexpensive, reliable monitoring system that could be monitored locally and online. The main monitoring points were located near the sugar house with a remote location 3,000 feet away towards <laughs> dense woods. When I was first approached with this project three years ago, I was told by the owner of the company that we would, of course, make it happen within his budget. I had a trick up my sleeve. I was going to use... Linux, specifically Raspberry and the Raspberry Pis. The networking on the Sugar House included two WRT54G routers bridged together to expand the Wi-Fi coverage across the property close to the Sugar House. This links up to the internet through a MiFi device. Two FOSCAM webcams connect to the Wi-Fi and to third party directly through the MiFi device. Um, (laughs) 
the, this, there are two monitoring stations on site that allow the family to check in with the cameras whenever they just, happen to just be. Just to see how the syrup's doing? The yeah. what? Well, they just yeah, checking on the I, syrup? I assume, I, well, I assume the syrup and, and sugars and, and, and any of the other equipment and stuff like that. There are two monitoring stations that allow the family to check in with the cameras. The monitors are driven by two check-ins with the uh, – the monitors are driven by two Raspberry Pis, which are the original Model B. The first nice. one drives the display and hosts the web page for local traffic and grabs the image for the webcam every minute and transfers the, the files across the internet. Like I said, there he, he has – he wrote a novel on show how show this works yeah. if you're interested. That in is – uh, that's got that is some sort of record breaker. I don't know what kind of record that's breaking, other than maybe the most uh, esoteric, it's, amazing way to bring something as low tech as maple syrup in 2016 to the. It, this it is, is unbelievable. The, it's also the most, I think, intensive or in uh, descriptive runs Linux I think we've ever had. Yeah, you guys got to check out if you're listening uh, and you have some time, go over to the show notes and look at the photo album that's linked in the runs Linux section because that's awesome. That's really cool. No, all right. So uh, did I hear? Did I hear him tease that if we had uh, a new Swaggy Swag, he might uh, he might step up? Is that what I heard? I think that's what he said. Well, I think, in fact, he specifically, he said, specifically said that. Yeah. He specific- well, as you guys know, it's no secret. Uh, Linux Fest Northwest is coming up April 23rd and 24th. We're going to be there, and something big's going down. Something really big. Uh, in fact, to get a little hint of it, you can listen to last week's Unplugged if you want. I teased a major Linux hardware build we're going to be doing uh, while Noah's out in town. I gave some details about that in last week's Linux Unplugged. But here's the next step. This is part one of the big revelation that we'll be doing in the feedback segment later today. Part one, teespring.com slash here's the thing, a brand new shirt to help people switch to Linux and support our efforts at Linux Fest Northwest and help buy some swag for some of the people that will be getting to switch and help with some of the costs. Teespring.com slash here's the thing. It is a T-shirt, a hoodie, and a long sleeve shirt on the front, a much requested classier last logo above the uh, breast pocket area. Nice and clean on the front and on the back. Here's the thing, dot, dot, dot. It's Tux with the JB Rocket. Do you have a minute to talk about Linux? All uppercase, big, because Linux is big. Do you have a minute? This is a conversation starter to bring people to Linux. And it's also a way to support the show. And it's got eight days left, teespring.com slash here's the thing. You should be getting it in time for Linux Fest Northwest if you're making it. But this thing, you can rock this thing anywhere. Teespring.com slash Here's the thing. Available until April 4th. Super stoked about that. And just to give you an idea, uh, you know, because we're just going to – this – selling this is just really scratching the surface of our cost. Uh, just roughly, like right now we're estimated our hotel costs to be around $700. Our, uh, I think our current flight costs are up to $600 for that. And that's not even including some of the swag we want to buy to give to folks that come to the booth and things we want to hand out. Maybe some custom stuff for people to make it to Linux Fest Northwest. So it is a massive undertaking, and like we're gonna be we're gonna be storing people here at the studio, which is gonna be very expensive. It's it's a big thing we do. We only do it once a year. We kind of go all out, and one of the ways we stay sort of non-commercial about it and not like sponsoring the crap out of these things is through, through initiatives like this through our Patreon at Patreon.com/today, and through this T-shirt at Teespring.com/Here's the thing. Now be honest with me, Noah. Did you ever think we'd have something that awesome for Swag? This is a this is a this is a once a once a time like I love our, our 2016 Swag for Linux Fest Northwest. This is super cool. It's going to be fun, and but you know I, I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm like I'm excited for the Swag. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be great to give those up. What I'm really excited oh, yeah. for is switching a bunch of people to Linux. That's right, and, buddy. And getting, getting a bunch of people running Linux and. Uh, 
teaching System76 a thing or two about switching. Pow, politics. pow, 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 pow. Yeah, uh, so there's a few things we want to accomplish. Uh, we'll give you more details later on in the show. But there you go, teespring.com slash here's the thing. Support this show. Grab yourself some great swag that rocks anywhere, not just at Linux Fest. And what I love about it, it's kind of funny because you're like, maybe you're feeling antisocial, right? You could just wear a jacket that day. It's got a gray shirt. And then when you want to start the Linux conversation, boom, take the jacket off. It's like how, it's like how Clark Kent gets out of it. You're, it's like Superman. It's kind of, it's kind of, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm picking up what you're laying down. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm just putting that out there. Also, don't forget if you want to hear about the big Linux build, two of them actually will be doing while Noah and crew are in town during Linux Fest. Go listen to last week's Linux Unplugged because we got into it, and uh, you should go listen to it. Actually, Noah, <laughs> you should. You should probably I, download you find it. me the time. You find me the time, when, and no, I will I sit was around. I say when you're coming over here. No, when you're coming over here, Noah. When you're flying over here, you should download and catch up to find out all the things you're going to be doing while you're here. Oh. I'm glad, I'm glad that's all been. I'm glad that's all been figured yeah. out. That way, I don't have to. Figure There's out a whole plan my time. list. In fact, oh boy, I got I got a few things I got to share with you. In fact, some things that you and I, uh, you and I need to capitalize on that is happening internally okay. in the crew that I have found out about, and I will we'll save it for the feedback segment. But first, all right, I'm going to tell you about a tool that came in very, 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 very handy this week, especially for this week's episode, but really every week, and that's our first sponsor, DigitalOcean. Go over to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing to get a ten dollar credit. Over DigitalOcean, their rigs start at $5 a month. For $5 a month, you get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, because they all SSDs, Noah. You know it. One blazing fast CPU and a terabyte of transfer. They've got just about every darn distro you'd ever want to actually put in production. Uh, all the Ubuntus, the Fedoras, you got your CentOS is up there, you got your Debs, uh, CoreOS, which I think is really awesome, and Fedora, uh, uh, FreeBSD. And what's cool like about uh, the uh, FreeBSD and CoreOS, I know specifically, I would imagine it's probably a similar story for the other distros, but these two I happen to know specifically. Uh, DigitalOcean works upstream with the projects to make sure that you're getting legitimate stuff, you're getting it straight from them. When they deploy one-click images... Oh, let's just say of like Docker and Nginx and OwnCloud, and you do a one-click deployment of that, you're getting it from upstream repo sources with their GPG keys. So when you're doing an update on the command line, you're getting the official packages, not like some sort of, we spun you up a custom-managed server using our control panel that's super neat. No, it's legit, inline, upstream, digitalocean.com. Use the promo code, here's the thing. A great UI, really well done that's not too simple. But yet simple enough that even a total noob could use it. And an advanced user who wants to manage DNS, set up SSH keys, backups, private networking, transfer around the world. It does all of that. Plus, they have a straightforward API. Data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London. Portugal now? I don't know, man. They're going everywhere. Up in space. Underground in a lava layer. They got digital. You can put droplets everywhere. Use the promo code. Here's the thing. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Action Show. No, you might sense a theme today. You might, you might get a whiff that uh, Linux. Our, Everything so far has to do with Linux. Well, okay, okay, that's really perceptive, Noah. Good job. Now, there's another theme in this episode, and that's OwnCloud. And this next app pick actually works without OwnCloud, and I would almost use it without OwnCloud, but with OwnCloud, oh, sweet, sweet baby juice. Check this out. It's called Q Own Notes. Your notes on your hard disk and in your own cloud, and it supports Markdown. 
I'm just going to take a little victory lap here for a second. Yes, it supports Markdown. And I would like to show it to you right now. So I have it installed right here on my KDE Neon desktop. And I have, of course, the dark theme installed. So I think it looks pretty darn good. Noah, do you like my look? So come on, give me Markdown Very right there. It's so. got syntax highlighting like you would like and all that kind of stuff. And what it does, Noah, uh, is in real time, it's writing to the sync folder and... It's also using the own cloud app that you have to have installed on your own cloud server that has an API to actually uh-huh. write to that server. So you can you can edit these from own cloud, the web UI, or using this, or just from a text editor on the file system. You, you know what I smell? I smell a new way to do show notes. Maybe. And I don't think yeah. it does. I don't think it does real time collaborative editing, but it's damn close. And so uh, there are ways for. Exactly that kind of thing if you just don't need real time to use this. You could have this, uh, you know, like on a spouse's computer or something like that, and you both could add notes to this and sync through own cloud. So it's called QOwn Notes. Uh, it uses GitHub-flavored Markdown in the uh, note area, and it syncs very easily as long as you have the corresponding software set up on your own cloud server. Or you could mm-hmm. use an offline mode. works perfectly well for that. has large editing. Uh, it, it also, it will, if you don't know, like some of the Markdown for, like, say, an image embed or the date embed or something like that, it has mm-hmm. shortcuts and one-click uh, GUI options for that, too. So there you go. Q own cloud. It's sort awesome. of like it allows you to use own cloud as sort of like an Evernote replacement if you don't need um, super rich text in the editor. But since this is all markdown, right. you could easily render it using a thousand different tools quickly right. and have full HTML. Right. That's nice and clean and tidy you could use anywhere else. And let's face it, most of the time when people want sync notes, it's because they're not doing full-blown text editing. If they were, they'd be the normal word processor like LibreOffice. But when you're when – you're, at least for me, <clears throat> when I want access to notes, it's things like that one specific really long bash command that I can't really remember, but I need it ever so frequently. No joke. I was going to save this story for the review, but uh, one of the things that OwnCloud came in handy for is uh, before we go ham hauling and go pick up ham for a Linux Fest – I'm getting, yeah. my, I'm getting my toilet fixed in Lady Jupiter because she doesn't hold water. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Ironically, it's called the Aqua Magic Toilet, but it doesn't hold any aqua. Uh, so before they replace it, uh, they need the serial number. Well, the serial number is, is literally, once it's assembled, not in a user. You have to disassemble the top of the toilet to see the serial number. However, when we first bought the rig, I, th- they gave me a sheet of all the part serial numbers, this huge sheet of all the part serial numbers. Took a photo of that, recently uploaded it to OwnCloud for uh, this week's review. Uh-huh. Sure enough, Thursday, I needed the serial number for the toilet. I went into OwnCloud, pulled it up, and it was right there. And it was that, sort of that thing awesome. that I could probably access once every two, six, eight, nine months maybe at most, mm-hmm. getting repairs done. And so, uh, yeah, it worked really well for that. So it's – and the fact that it's on the on, – in my setup, it's on the uh, file system. works super good for me because I can just open it up on the command line in my favorite text editor. Speaking of the command line, that is our weekly project spotlight this week. Let's go away from the cloud and go something that you could do in an SSH session when nobody's looking. It's called News Bateur. News Bateur. <laughs> Come on, Noah. I'm trying to get a rise out of you and I got nothing. I get nothing. Yeah. I I, uh, uh, I I I'll just uh, I'll go ahead and come clean because sometimes you just got to do that. I don't get the joke. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, NewsBatur is an open source RSS atom feed reader for dun 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 dun, dun your command line. It's a RSS feed reader that uh, you can go out there. What do you think about that? Huh? Come on. From command line. So we went from own cloud notes. Nothing. I'm getting nothing from. It. I'm trying to well, impress I'm you. I'm googling what Batur is because I'm trying to understand the joke. 
Uh, it's it's well, you could also call it news butler or news butter or you know yeah. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I was just trying to. I was just messing around with the name Noah. Hey Noah. Hey Noah. How about you stop focusing on that part and focus on the fact that I just found a freaking RSS client for the for your command line. And that is awesome. That yes. is completely awesome. Yes, it is. It is. You could SSH into a droplet or some mess like that, whatever you want. I don't care. I don't judge. Wait, and here's what I was news. thinking. I was thinking when I'm on site working for a client and I can be inside of the terminal banging away on the keyboard because let's face it, most of the people that walk by, if they see me sitting at the computer and the terminal's open, they're like, oh, he's working, right? I could not be working. Exactly. Other things. Exactly. I mean, it's beautiful. And, you know, if you're one of those folks out there that likes to have your web browser and your command line and your email, or your command line, your IRC, and your mm-hmm. email on the command line, then maybe you might like having your, uh, your news feeds. Hey, you know what? Could be kind of cool. I'll tell you where it could be actually kind of neat. Drop down terminal, dude. Drop-down terminal, oh, oh man, yeah. right? Like a multi-tab drop-down terminal. Tab one is like Telegram ter- command line. Mm-hmm. Tab two is your RSS feed. And tab three, it could be like, uh, I don't you know. know you know what I've, I've started doing with the command line tools with the drop-down terminal is I will be working on something. And then in the interim, like I'm working on it, working on it, working on it. Okay, now progress bar is loading. I hit F12. The drop-down terminal comes by. Yeah. I go back to, in this case, the RSS reader. Yeah, I go through that a little bit. It's transparent, so I'm I'm kind of keeping half an eye through. Right. Oh, and, and which is F12, go back to working. Yeah. I kind of swap back and forth that way. That's almost exactly what I do almost all the time, except for I'm not doing RSS feed. Because the nice thing about yeah, having yeah. the drop well, down, neither, but. the nice thing about the drop down versus using a tab or like a, right is I can still see the progress of whatever I'm working on. So I can drop the terminal down, work in another terminal, and look at yeah. And I know there's like Terminex well, and. My terminal windows are, are, are transparent, but but the but I can't get rid of them and bring them up. It requires either mouse interaction to to minimize and bring them up, back up, or Alt Tab action. And if I have you know fifty applications open, then that takes forever. So the nice thing about the drop down terminals is it is a single hotkey that I can pull it down and put it back up, which makes it really great for multitasking. Yeah, exactly. All right, so there you go. Those are our app picks, and we have them all linked up in the show notes. Don't forget about Linux Fest Northwest. Very excited. I want to see a whole bunch of you there if we can. Have a great time. And then also support our effort and maybe start that conversation for a potential Linux switcher at teespring.com slash here's the thing. All right, Noah, let's do the news. That's the thing. Hey, it's the news, and this episode is brought to you by Ting.com. Go to last.ting.com to save yourself on a Ting bill or... Maybe even get yourself a little credit towards a Ting device because they're all unlocked, no contract, no early termination fee, and you only pay for what you use. That's Ting right there. $6 for the line. So you get your phone. It's 6 bucks for the phone line and then just whatever you use on top of that or a MiFi uh, or a tablet. If you have a device you just need to throw data in and use on occasion, that's perfect for that. Uh, if you have like a Raspberry Pi and you want to give it an internet connection, perfect for that. My buddy Chase has uses uh, Ting for his internet uh, connection, for his the backup connection for his alarm system at his house. Cut out the phone line on his alarm system. It connects to, it connects to Ting immediately. Uh, he's used it to grab pictures off it on the road. It is a really cool service because it allows you to add internet anywhere you want with a $9 SIM, no contract, Nothing like that. You just pay for usage or you go all the way up and you get yourself a full phone. Uh, Now, we sometimes talk about some really value phones, but one we don't often mention on this show, but I'm about to now for maybe maybe the first time, is the LG Volt 2. This thing is just – I mean it's not like it's the best phone out there. Uh, that, that, let's not kid ourselves. It is, but it is a phenomenal value. So it's $66, shipped from Ting, no contract, no early termination fee, right? That's when you go to last.ting.com. $66, you own it outright, and LG is shipping the Marshmallow update to this thing. So you can get a fresh Marshmallow Android device 
for under a hundred bucks. You only pay for what you use, and you can support this show. It's a really cool. Yeah, and it's not like it's going to blow you away, right? But it's an LTE Android device with a freaking camera. Uh, it can do 25 megabits on LTE, which is awesome. And it's going to have Marshmallow. They have everything out there, right? They've got everything from SIM cards up to the Galaxies and the Nexus size and the iPhones. But I just thought the LG Volt 2 was such an incredible deal at 66 bucks when you go to last.ting.com uh, and no contract, and you get Marshmallow soon. That's great. You know, I have a friend that uh, I, I, he switched over to Ting, and he lives – his parents live out in, like, in the total boonies, like – I mean, you're talking like an hour to the nearest like gas station or grocery store, right? <clears throat> and so typically his family has always been uh, on, on one of the big box stores because that is the only service that he thought he would have access out there. And even that does not work so well because they have to be in certain parts of the house to get coverage, stuff like that. So he tells me, he goes, this weekend I'm going home. And he, he like – it's it was mildly interesting and mildly annoying because he was like live blogging over Telegram. So like every five minutes I was getting an update. And eventually, I just muted the notifications and went back and read them the next morning. Yeah. But he had he he had service all the way out to his house, which is unheard of because that never happens on Ting. Got to his house, had service in the driveway. He's like, well, this works. I can go out to the driveway and use Ting. I'm thrilled. Gets into his house, has service all the way around his house. And he ended up buying – he has, a, he has a, a Ting phone and a Ting hotspot, the, the Netgear Zing. And so he said that he took his Netgear Zing in his bedroom and has better internet on his Ting GSM – or his uh, Ting uh, CDMA hotspot than he did on his uh, – on, uh, on their normal internet connection. And so he actually – he brought a tablet and was tethering his – he was using his tablet to create a hotspot to get internet on all of his various devices – out in the middle of nowhere. So like whatever it is that T-Mobile is doing to their network to get better GSM coverage, whatever it is, is working because in the worst of the worst places, they now have better internet than some of the, the, the big major stores. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's and he gets his cost savings to Ting. That's actually what's kind of nice with Ting is you can take advantage of a couple of different networks depending on which one's better mm-hmm. in your area. So for me, what I would do on the road trip when I had a good CDMA signal from Ting is I would use that Netgear Zing to do anything where I didn't want to worry about going over a data cap because I didn't want to manage that or anything like that. And so with Ting, like the on the road trip that month, I have like a $45 bill for my data. And then next month, it's like nothing because I turn the line off and it's nothing for like five months. And then I go on a road trip and I have like a $45 bill. It's I love it because I can manage it like that. But if you just want to support the show, maybe find out more about Ting, go to last.ting.com. And while you're there, maybe check out their blog because look at that. They got a short history on the Cody project. And it's it's actually look at this, Noah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Last.ting.com. Then go read the Ting blog, and you can find a short history on that uh, formerly known as XBMC Cody Project. Pretty cool, Noah. Pretty cool. Check it out. Last.ting.com. And thank you to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. Red Hat. Red Hat's making the monies. So they were the first billion-dollar open-source company, and now they're officially the first $2 billion open-source company, which is not too shabby. So – their total revenue for its fourth quarter was $54 million, which is up 17% uh, in the U.S. year over year. And uh, for uh, the full fiscal 2016 year for them, which I guess is now, Red Hat's total revenue was $2.05 billion, which is up 15% from year over year. Now, what do you suppose they make all their money from these days? Support contracts, I would yeah. bet. Yeah, even though they're making huge investments in cloud and all that cloud, uh, their subscription revenue was 88% of the total revenue. Their subscription revenue can largely be ascribed to Red Hat's flagship product for Red Hat Enterprise Linux. They, still, they, do, they do make subscription revenue for other products, but it's all about that Red Hat Enterprise Linux. We don't see any results from their partnership with Microsoft on getting Red Hat in Azure yet. 
because that's all still very new. But $2 billion. Red Hat's continuing to grow. What are your thoughts, Noah? What are your thoughts on Here this? Here are my thoughts. My thoughts is that for a long time, uh, especially early on in Linux, you know, when we were kind of watching uh, various companies come up and rise, we've seen companies do different things. We've seen some companies that, that sell out <laughs> to various places. We've seen some companies that take huge compromises um, because they just to make a couple extra bucks, this kind of thing. And one thing I have always appreciated about Red Hat is no company is perfect. No company makes perfect decisions. But I'd say out of all of the out of all of the the, the various Linux related companies, I think the the people that I have the most conversation with and and have a positive experience from have to be Red Hat, and that primarily comes from every single one of them seems to have see value in the Linux desktop. And so if there was ever a, and so I think we can all agree that money just basically equals power. I mean, and so they it, we have one of the largest open source companies that has a very 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 strong you know code of ethics and has a very tight moral compass, and that is the company that. That is now in charge of two billion dollars, and I think that's a great thing as a community, you know, from a community standpoint, because they have core values, they have integrity, they have a moral compass, and they're following that stuff. And so uh, that's the company that I want to see grow. And I'm sure that there are there's there there are tons of things that Red Hat do that we don't agree with or that I don't agree with personally, and I'm sure we can point those out. But on the whole. They're a group of very, very dedicated Linux enthusiasts, and I think it's great that they're absolutely killing it. They're, they're totally, if we measure score by how much money they're bringing in, then they're winning, you know? And I think that's great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I completely agree. And so this week, speaking of kind of a Red Hat semi-related thing, mm -hmm. uh, a new version of GNOME came out. GNOME, jeez, uh, uh, um, now I'm totally blue, 3.20. But, I, you know, the reason why I'm kind of like, I haven't got a chance to play with it. I'm kind of like, oh, it's kind of bad timing because I'm still on KDE 5.6 from our most recent episode. I've been really enjoying 5.6, so I've been sort of like, oh, cool, a new version of Home's app, but I, I haven't really gotten a chance to play with it. So I was I was looking through the new features, and, uh, well, you know what? i got to say, I'm really happy to see, Noah, that they're continuing to invest time in the uh, GNOME Software Center, so they're making mm -hmm. updates to, like, firmware and stuff super easy. Wayland support is, like, full-on now. It's getting ridiculous. Uh, I really like the way how fast GNOME Photos has come. This is an editor, Noah, for GNOME Photos that allows you to crop and change colors. Uh, Man, is that – you know, and the thing – the funny thing is, do you know how many times I open GIMP just to crop a photo? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, that's the number one thing I use GIMP for. No kidding. And it's, it's, and it's funny because the, what I'm looking for – like GIMP is such an amazingly powerful tool and 90 percent of the time I'm either rotating a picture or cropping a picture. So if I could just do that in like a, you know, a very simple photo viewer of sorts, it's 10 times better. So that's uh, – and that's just built right in, right? Uh, and then mm -hmm, uh, of yeah. course uh, they have brand new sets of shortcuts with a screen where you can see them and set them now, make it really easy to see what shortcuts are. Uh, and I love the uh, I love love the fact that they're getting Polaria actually put in a decent basic IRC client. It's not up to my needs, but I think it's pretty great. I think it's really a nice IRC client for basics. I had somebody that just wanted to try IRC for a little bit, and it was very simple for them to use that client. And Files has gotten some nice work too. So we're just all over the place, Noah, with lots of new features in uh, version th uh, GNOME three twenty. And I wanted to play just a little bit of their video because they made one, and I thought, all right, let's give them let's give them a little airtime. I think it's pretty cool when projects are doing this. So the the folks over at GNOME have put together a uh, introduction video. They're going to cover some of the stuff I mentioned, but some of the other things as well. So I figured we'd give it a look. GNOME is a worldwide community dedicated to creating a free and open source software desktop. The GNOME 320 release consists of the last six months of contributions from coders, designers, and writers. As a result, a dozen of GNOME's applications come with new features and a more attractive interface. 
Instagram photos can crop your photos and apply filters to them. The control center has a revamped mouse panel. Software provides a seamless integration of sandboxed applications and OS upgrades. And furthermore, most applications now come with a keyboard shortcut window. Developers can look forward to an improved GNOME Builder, which now comes with XTG app building and project templates. GTK has stabilized its theming support with the move to CSS elements. Yay! GNOME 320 will be provided by many distributions soon. And of course, uh, it also inc- it also means a new version of GTK is out. So as you watch that, Noah, did anything jump out at you as some, something that uh, yeah, as actually, a Unity user? You're not, you're or like this, but you're not gonna like this. But like the first like thirty seconds of that video, all I could think about is I just don't like the UI styling of the gnome. Yeah, no, it's, it's fair. It's, for you. it's fair. It's not. It's not my. It's not my thing. But you know, and it's funny because like when I see things like the photo manager, if everything looked like that, I'd be all in. Like that. That that dark, very, uh, very like. Professional what, looking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, professional enterprise video editing type tool thing. That mm-hmm. I really like. But mm-hmm. the, but the the just the beginning that like that that plain gray stuff. Just I don't know. It's just not my style. So Fedora twenty four, uh, of course, is going to ship with GNOME three twenty by default. Uh, there is an unsupported PPA that gives uh, uh, sixteen oh four users uh, GNOME three twenty right now as well, which is kind of neat. And uh, it'll be hitting Arch Stable soon and uh, SUSE as well, I imagine. So you can go get your hands on it right now. It's kind of funny it lands right now while I'm in KDE, but I am looking forward to trying this eventually. They're getting to a point now where there's some nice refinements, but nothing that jumps out at me is holy smokes. I, interestingly, if you go look at the uh, release notes, some of the more interesting work has actually been done in GTK itself. And, uh, of course, a lot of that is Wayland work and stuff like that. The future is nigh. Oh, also, uh, there's been a lot of interesting – I don't have any specific news stories around this, but I saw mm-hmm. a lot of release notes this week. Uh, for different projects that are adding Vulkan support, you know the new graphics API. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of things. I'm a gamer uh, now, so I have all these. Things. Yeah, of course, right? Yes, I forgot you're a, you're a, you're a super hip gamer now. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're working on a lot of different uh, a lot of different projects are already implementing Vulkan support. Like it's coming along really well. So I don't have a specific news item because I saw quite a bit of that this week. But I thought I'd just pass that along to you folks out there that are are wondering how that's going. All right, Noah, that's all the news for this week. Noah and I took a walk on the wild side, at least for us. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. We took a plunge into OwnCloud version 9, the brand new release that we mentioned recently on the show. It's out. We have it installed on our own servers, set up to our devices, and have been using it throughout the week. And we'll give you our thoughts. First, though, I want to mention our segment sponsor, and that's the folks over at Linux Academy. In fact, if you could go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged, you'd be doing me a favor. That supports the show, and it gets you. Heck, you're doing yourself a favor. It gives you a great discount over at Linux Academy, a platform designed and created by Linux enthusiasts for Linux enthusiasts. It's not just a feature of their overall platform where they also have Adobe After Effects and they tell you how to edit stuff and they tell you how to do this and they tell you how to be a motivational speaker. Oh, and by the way, you want to learn some Red Hat? Yeah, we got that. That's not Linux Academy at all. Linux Academy was built by Linux crazies. Kind of like, hey, Noah, right there, that guy, he's, in, he's a Linux crazy. 
I am. Yeah, I yeah. am. And I also use Linux Academy. Yeah, you are a Linux Academy. Exactly. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go there. They got step-by-step video courses. Check this out. Over 2,355 self-paced courses where you can get experience with hands-on as you need it. Instructor help when you want it. Scenario-based labs so you feel like you've really done it and gained the experience. And graded server exercises. Automatically grade your actions so you can see just how well you did. The Red Hat stack. DevOps, Ruby. Android, Amazon Web Services, PHP, OpenStack, Python, the entire Linux stack, and Android development. All of it over there at linuxacademy.com. They got nuggets, two to 60 minutes long. You just do a deep dive into a nugget. I'm not talking about the chicken kind. Although you could eat your nuggets while you're doing a nugget. You know, you know, right? Like double nugget. Nuggetception. Yeah. Solve the hunger and the Linux all at the same time. But also, if you're just super busy, they have an availability planner. You go in there and say, I got time on Tuesday, I got time on Thursday, and I got time on Sunday after Linux Action Show. Boop, 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 clip, clip. And then, like, a computer from the future, like, just totally maps you out a learning plan. It's some sort of alien technology. But they got over at Linux Academy, so you might as well take advantage of it. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Go check them out. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring this segment right here of the Linux Action Show. Really super brief reintroduction to my woes with OwnCloud. <clears throat> so uh, one of the biggest uh, sync things, uh, jobs that we have here at Jupiter Broadcasting as a production workflow is the Unfilter Show. The Unfilter Show is just gigabytes of clips a week. Gigabytes of clips a week, and you have a couple of weeks in there, and now it's a massive thing. Lots of files, or, you know, between 10 and 300 megabytes, sometimes as large as several gigabytes. Lots of them. And getting added to constantly edited by multiple people whenever possible. Not a super simple thing. Not like crazy, but not a super simple task. And in the past, <clears throat> OwnCloud 8 for me almost bit the whole farm. In the unfiltered workflow, just so you understand what happened really quickly, is I have a folder that I'm working within. I modify the directory contents of this working folder. I structure the, the, the clips and the layout of the clips to flow with the show. So they go in order, they're organized, they're, they're sequenced. Then I take that work and I move it from the working directory up to the main production directory. I move it up one level. I'm, I'm just moving the files up one directory level. <clears throat> in, in sync services like SyncThing and BitTorrent Sync and Dropbox and SpiderOak, just the ones I've tested right there, including OwnCloud. In everything except for OwnCloud, they recognize that as a file system move operation, and it's just a relinking, and it's not actually removing all the files. With OwnCloud, at least in version 8, it recognized that as a move and delete. So it executed the delete and move, and then ran out of hard drive space because <clears throat> it was saving copies of everything it deleted. And shut everything down, and so we lost the clips, we couldn't restore the clips, and it did manage to sync the delete command to all of the machines. So a week's worth of two people working hours and hours and hours, gone like that, 30 minutes before I'm supposed to go on air. It was... I felt sick to my stomach, because it wasn't just that we didn't have a show, it was also... All of that work by producer Matt and myself, completely lost. Very devastating. And the cost of that was, was phenomenal. <clears throat> and thankfully, I had a laptop that I hadn't powered on yet. I powered on, made sure I own cloud didn't start, loaded X, 
grabbed a three-day-old version of the clip archive and started working from that. And so when it came time for us to, ch- to test OwnCloud again, I, it's not that <clears> – I mean if I could have had unlimited storage, that probably wouldn't have happened. But I didn't have unlimited storage. I'm trying to work within a reasonable limit. And so – but <clears throat> I just felt like not – never again. Never again will I ever be in that position. I just – the network can't, can literally not afford to pay people to work on something like that and then, and then all of a sudden lose it like that. Plus, we're not, then we're unable to deliver for our patrons. It was just a bad – never again, I said. Uh, and so with that, I sort of unwound my own cloud use. I used it sparingly for some things like uh, CalDev and CardDev and some notes. But I began winding down my own cloud usage thinking, I just can't trust it yet. And I kind of stepped back. And uh, I waited for OwnCloud 9 to come out. And so uh, that's where I come at with OwnCloud 9. That's why it was sort of a big leap for me because that personally was almost, you know, I, I, I felt sick. I was just devastated. And, and then the whole time crunch aspect about it too, 30 minutes before I'm supposed to be on air. And so best case, you know, I had to delay the show, a late start. It was just, it was really bad. Um, so it was hard for me in a way. It sounds weird, but it was hard for me. So I, I, do you want to briefly recap your OwnCloud yeah. disaster? Well, we had we had a major deployment uh, of some software at a medical clinic, and they had um, we were at the time what we were using OwnCloud for was basically a company wide storage system. And so when people would go on site to to, to use things, we had um, ISOs of of various recovery media, um, and you know, and just resources for our techs to use. And so, and it was three of us that were on site out at this. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a at uh, a, 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 a at a um, no, it's a it's a clinic, but they have and basically we were installing the software and there was a certificate file that had to get uploaded for each individual user and then placed on the computer. And obviously, the entire idea of a certificate file is if you don't have that exact file, then you don't have access to that particular account. And so, what I have found is for smaller files, the alt, alt uh, the uh, OwnCloud Sync works just fine. It, it it goes back and forth and you don't run into any problems. When you get into larger files, or in this particular case, we had the ISO, we had the Red Hat ISO for the server. We had the ISO for the software. We had a, a zip file full of uh, all of the certificate files. And then we, we had the documentation of all the stuff, like what the passwords were and all that stuff. And it was all inside of an encrypted uh, tar ball thing. And we had, and we dumped that to own cloud. And what ended up happening was um, for whatever reason, own cloud, got out of whack and I didn't notice right away. And so I just assumed that every time I installed a new computer that these files were getting replicated over. And so one day I go to, they had, they had a machine failure and I went to, uh, I opened my laptop and I go to pull down one of those certificate files and I realized it's corrupted. It's not there. It's not working right. Well, that's weird. Why would that happen? So I think, oh, no big deal. It's one computer. I've got, you know, 10. I go to a different one. That file's not working. So then it starts making me think, (laughs) well, how many of these files are not working? It Uh turns out so Probably the files of, are there, but they're like empty files. Zero kilo. That's exactly I've seen that too. Yeah, right. I have seen that so problem like, as well. So like eight out of the ten files, eight out of every ten are not working. So then I start thinking, oh my god, how much of my data is destroyed? So I start going back. All the clips from Linux Fest uh, 2014, like the original capture uh, stuff that we had from last year off the machine, that's all gone. All of the interviews from self that year, those were all gone. Like there's a couple of them that are there. Uh, most of them are totally – you can't even open them. So Some much of them tons totally of stuff. Gone. There's just tons of work. And, and now, it, you know, mostly, of course, I got to pause you because somebody listening is going to go, well, hey, Noah, how come you didn't have that backed up? Why didn't you, why didn't did, you have that backed I up? Did. I did. In fact, that was the only reason I noticed that some of them were missing was I went to one of the backups. Like there are certain things they didn't have backed up because the, here's the reality. The self-interviews, you know, we shoot them. 
And yes, I keep them because why not if you ever want to go back to them? But the reality is the important part is I get them to you, you air them on the air, and then really I don't really think about them again. It's It'd be nice to have them, but I don't really need them. Thus, I don't spend any real time making sure that they're always backed up and on five different places. And no, they're up in the cloud. They're up in the yeah, cloud. Right. I just threw them somewhere and I, it would be nice to have them. I don't really care that they're gone, but there was data that I definitively needed. And, you know, the, the thing is, you know, we had some of that backed up and that's why we didn't lose the contract with the client is because we had those certificates backed up in another place. But the point is I shouldn't have to do that. That, that should have never been a problem to begin with. Okay. Now, all of that said, as far as I'm concerned, own cloud, if without the file syncing feature, is completely useless to me. I, logging into the web interface is great when I'm on site and want to pull a file down, but I'm not going to spend Let me the, see if I my can, life. Okay. Let me see if I can jump off right here because uh, I want to talk to you about that because here's where I, here is where I was stuck with own cloud. Uh, so version 9 has some really nice new features where, uh, first of all, they're working on scalability quite a bit. Uh, full federation, which we're going to talk about more in a moment, uh, and the collaboration is – very straightforward. We're going to talk about all of that in just a moment. And also I'd refer to our interview with Joss from, what was it, last week or the week before where he covered some of the highlights. But I mm-hmm. want to stop you there because I actually disagree. I actually think own cloud is better when you don't use it for sync. I think if you say – and you know what? I think, if, I think if you sat down with some of the own cloud folks, had a beer with them, you know, you said, hey, Frank, What's going on with OwnCloud Sync? I mean, if you could have a little better, would you have a little better? And you know what, you know what I think Frank would say? He'd say, yeah, it's something we're always trying to work on. We're trying to make it better. And if you go to their bounty source, you'll see that they have over $1,000 right now on their bounty for their file sync to support just the changes in a file. That's kind of a fundamental thing that most sync products have had for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so what the, I, believe, I believe it's not actually OwnCloud. That is at fault here. I believe it is CSync, which is the underlying oh, yeah, li- sure. library yeah. that OwnCloud relies on for their client sync. And I think yeah. to really do this right, they have to own that entire sync stack, and they have to stop using CSync, or they have to they have to dramatically improve CSync. Uh, either way, I, so I would argue with you right now. I'm going to at least I'll, I'll disclose. I guess I'll put it this way: I'll disclose my bias up front right now. Uh, I don't use OwnCloud for file sync. I'm going to use SyncThing. And I will from I'm moving anything that I can over to sync thing, and I'm going to continue to use sync thing for any file syncing. Now that said, I will pro- I will propose there is actually a way to integrate the two. So a not a big deal, and b I will propose there is a way to migrate from proprietary systems into OwnCloud nine, and c I will argue there is really no need for OwnCloud sync when you do it this way. So if you're ready, okay. I'll walk you down my setup. Okay, All no, right, walk me walk me through it. So. Here is what I really wanted to accomplish, and uh, I'm just at the early days right now of, of a getting there, but I wanted to accomplish an Evernote killer. I am so sick of being stuck in Evernote. It, it's good on mobile, but I, I, I just don't like it, and I don't like that there's not a desktop version, and I don't like that it's on somebody else's computer, and I don't like that they don't have a Linux desktop version, so I want to replace Evernote. And so I wanted to see if I could have an Evernote Plus, something that was mine, that had additional stuff that I could collaborate with with Hadia, because going forward, I'm trying to come up with ways that... So in in Lady Jupiter, there's just... there's not like there, I don't have... 
I don't have a home office where I can stash all of my documents and I can have like, well, this is where my, f- so here's my couch over here and over here is where I have my file cabinet. I'm just going to go get my files from when I bought the RV and I'll just reference that from three years ago for this question that just came up. Like that is literally not a reality for me when I live right. in a class A motorhome, which is a choice I made in order to be able to afford to be able to do this as a living and be able to do shows on the road. That's my choice. But now I've got to figure out a way to make that work for those really practical things like taxes and child support documentation and divorce paperwork and truck paperwork and RV per- right. purchase paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, when you, when, yeah. you, when, you have it, when you own a small business and you have all of that going on, there's just so much paper. It, it literally is like a stack up to here, and mm-hmm. up to, which is, uh, by the way, from my, from my dick to my boobs, if you're, if you're listening – Right. If you're listening, uh, that my stack of paperwork goes from uh, from my dick up to my boobs, which for me is pretty. You know, that's a decent that's a decent amount of paperwork. And so, what I wanted to do was, uh, and I'm already at this stack, and I have to come up with a solution asap because I am drowning in paperwork, and I don't want it to go in Evernote, but I have to digitize it. I have to digitize it, and I need it to be private, secure, and something I can trust. Well, now I'm looking at rolling my own solution. So I have a uh, I have come up with a workflow that mostly works for me, and I'm going to share it with you guys. Uh, so what I have done is uh, I have combined with an app called Scannable, which uh, is probably available for uh, um, Noah's operating system. And uh, Scannable takes a picture of documents and and then OCRs it and scans it, and then I'm saving those as files and I am uploading them to my own cloud installation where I have documents. I have photos, which photos are just things that we want to share between, like, Hadia and I. So we have, like, a directory of a bunch of different photos of, like, the kids or vacation places that we go to. Um, and then I've done something else, like, uh, which is kind of nice, is I've been able to take advantage of the shared contacts. So, and I've only got, you know, I'm just beginning. I've got one contact in here right now. But this is, this is these are the people that we call when we needed to make repairs, to Lady Jupiter. Now we have a shared spot to go get all of our shared contacts. So instead of having like a, a Google account or something where we, we have one own cloud login, we share everything in one own cloud login, we set up our, we set up our contacts, we set up our, our documentation folders. And the one more thing I've done, which is kind of neat, is I've connected a couple of external storage services. Because, you know, I have it on a 40 gigabyte droplet. So I've set up a couple of external storage here. Noah... Noah there in that box below me? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. Those guys are out here so uh, cutting down logs right now on Easter Sunday. Unbelievable. Uh, so, They're dedicated uh, to nothing else. Noah, uh, Noah refuses to use, like, SyncThing or anything to actually share production files with me. And what he Some does is do. he uploads it to uh, a uh, Droplet FTP server. Uh, around like 3 a.m. And then get, has me come in in the morning and download it to my computer before we start. And I always have to go dig up the login. I have to go because I always usually have a different computer. So what I've done now. No, it never sends that stuff to him with the message of the upload is done. Right, right. And so now what I've done instead is I've preemptively connected the FTP mobile login to my own cloud server. So now I just log into my own cloud server. It manages the login, and I can pull it down. I did the same thing with my Dropbox. So when I do need to connect to Dropbox, I can pull files in or out of Dropbox. It's available to anybody that logs in as this account. I have this connected to Dropbox. I've also experimented with connection to S3, so I can have tons of storage. So this is working really nice for me. So I'm able to use the photos. I'm able to use the file storage. I'm able to use the contact stuff. And I can add that as a sync service to my phone. So I'm syncing that contact information that I add in OwnCloud to my phone. 
So when I make a contact in there, it is immediately available for Hadiyah as well. I make it an own cloud, it shows up on her phone. She never has to interface with the web if she doesn't want to. It syncs immediately because I set it up on her phone. Same with the cal- uh, same with the uh, calendar. So uh, we have like uh, we have a lot going on in April. We've got the crew coming in. I've got uh, spring break with the kids. A lot's going on in April. There's a lot for us to schedule. OwnCloud provides a facility for us to have a shared calendar. When we make a calendar, uh, when I make a calendar entry, which I prefer to do on the computer, it shows up on my lady's phone. But she prefers to do it in the mobile interface. And when she makes an entry on her phone, it shows up on my web interface. When I need to access something like SyncThing or Dropbox, I have it connected as a folder in here, Noah. So I can still access things that are in SyncThing or Dropbox or whatever you're using. I don't know what you use. Do you, do you use any file sync stuff? No. Own cloud sync. That's it. He thinks he. To be fair, so he, you you are woefully, woefully under uh, under presenting this. He, it's it's not like oh, it's kind of inconvenient that you're making me download. Like every time I get like a rant of like how no, how, I just how, how I honestly I to download all this. So stuff a, as somebody me. who wants persistent tools available to them so they can do their job, as somebody mm-hmm. who collaborates with people all over the country in media mm-hmm. production, and as somebody who probably has certain things that he always wants to have access to, like maybe bookmarks or some text files, any computer you set it up at, I just, it, it boggles my mind that you don't see the usefulness of something like OwnCloud or SyncThing or something like that. Like, it is, it literally, like, when you, when, you were just, when you were just a listener of this show and you would hear things we'd talk about, you'd be like, I should try that. It might make my workflow better. And then you do it and it would. Yep. This yep. is one of those things. If you okay. actually did what I'm saying, it would make your job better. It would make your okay. workflow better. It would make you more money. It, like, it boggles my mind that you don't try this. I, I will try. You have my word. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not picking on you. I'm like, I'm just trying to get. I'm just trying to under. Like to me, it's obvious. It's a slam dunk. And then the question comes: It is. It is undoubtedly useful. I, I guess that's the premise I'm trying to state: is that it's undoubtedly mm-hmm. useful. Okay. Yeah. Well, if we can agree that there's some usefulness to this utility, then yeah. we have to also agree, just based on previous experience, what we learned in this show, it's always best when you host it yourself, and you control right. the data. And our only right. real best bet for that is own cloud. And what, my, what I would propose to you, Noah, is wrap mm-hmm. your brain around okay. how you can use own cloud without syncing and then use sync thing for actual syncing. And I'm telling you, man, if you okay. did these things, I really think you would see a, I, I Okay, you, don't, you can de-Googlefy. You, you don't want your con- calendar and your contacts and, and that stuff syncing to Google anymore. Own right. cloud. You can use own cloud right now with your Android phone. You can sync all of the calendars, contacts, it notes right now to own cloud. You can use QNote sync then to access those same notes from your desktop. And then when you don't have access to your desktop or your phone, there's a web interface you can use to access those same notes, contacts, and all of that let, stuff. Okay, let, let, me, let me ask you a question. How, the last time I used sync thing, it, I had to start it up and then I visited like a local host web server, copied like an ID and pasted in other things. That's still, how, that's still how it works or they've advanced a little bit from that? Well, it's... It, it, I... Uh, <laughs> I used to hate sync things, so you got to understand where I'm coming from. Wow. I was like, I don't care if BitTorrent Sync is going to charge money; I'm using it. Uh-huh. Now, uh, uh-huh. a couple of things are really nice. Uh, sync thing added uh, an announcer server, 
So what uh-huh. I've done is I've set up a DigitalOcean droplet that's an announcer server. So I just okay. connect one of I just connect the sync one of my I connect my desktop to that one droplet, and that one right. droplet then tells my sync thing client about all my other syncs. Automatically okay. populates them for me. Super Great. easy. But what it really so, is now is it's kind of like almost like a Bitcoin key. I give you a key, we have a key. There's it's and we can see each other. But where uh, does that key get stored? See that that see this 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 is the start of my problem. There so, is a sync thing GTK UI that makes it really easy to do all of this. Right, but what I'm saying is, so I have I my my laptop dies, crashes, whatever. So I have access to zero data. I reinstall Ubuntu. Yeah. I boot into Ubuntu. Now, how do I get all of my data to come down without having any access to my data? Yeah. Okay, you got me there because you got to have access to this information. Where where with the nice thing with the own cloud sync would be, you just have your username and password, which you have memorized, yeah. and it all pulls down. Right. That's true. right. So, but so and so and so here's what I started. I started with the one-click deployment, as I think you did on OwnCloud, right? And primarily, I was going more for actual file syncing than I was the web UI. The, to, to me, what the web UI is useful for is I am not at my computer or something that I own, but I need access to some of that data. Then I can log into the web UI and pull that file down, or maybe a lot of times I'll push a file up. I need to save that screen cap or that picture, and I'll deal with yeah, that. Yeah, that get would home. be really useful too, actually. Well, it does. It works really well, and yeah. so well, when it works, and. <laughs> And so I started with the federated server, and it lasted about 20 minutes in my mind. And Chris, this is really what where the rubber met the road is I stopped and I went, one of the biggest reasons I'm not using Google Drive or Dropbox is I don't want it stored on somebody else's computer. I want it on my computer. And now, even though I'm paying DigitalOcean for this droplet, it's still not – my computer. Some somebody else paid for the hard drive and put it in their computer. In theory, so, I guess does it pass? Does it pass the? Uh, we would like access to your data center pet test. And the truth is, yeah. if if they had a legal U.S. warrant come in and they needed access to a server, yeah, they would give. Works. They would grant access to it. Well, so then what I then what I ended up doing was I went on. I went and found. I, I picked up. We Although, have hold on a sec. If you're super paranoid, you could host in another country or something. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, what I did was I ended up just getting uh, – I took one of these old 1U uh, Atom uh, super micro servers oh, sure, and we yeah. had a bunch of them lying around. You can buy them on eBay for like 80 bucks. And I put in a 120 gig solid state drive and uh, installed OwnCloud. And that was a good process. And I don't have the link in the show notes, but it will be there this uh, bef- bef- um, before we before we publish them. Um, of, of exactly the steps of setting up own cloud server. And of course I'm doing it on CentOS, which is another thing was there was no option of operating system with the one click deployments. You're going to get it on Ubuntu. Um, and so I use CentOS seven got own cloud uh, set up and that's the own cloud server that I'm actually going to use now to, because like Chris, I've been burned and I also don't exactly trust own cloud sync. And uh, to be completely honest, Chris has not said one thing in this entire episode that has given me more reason to be like, well, this time it'll be different. I'm, uh, yes, basically, yes. You know, just like you bypass the whole sync solution. But what I've done is <laughs> – Hey, oh, which Joss did – which uh, Joss did was not necessarily a good idea. Joss did use the sync. Use the sync, Luke. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to use the sync. I'm just not going to use it with anything I care about for a while. And basically what I've done is I've taken – I replicated what I had on there before, a bunch of video files, some small certificate files, some documents, and I put that all – it's basically like it's about, it's about 20 gigs of useless data that I don't care about, and I've put it in there, and I have a copy on a flash drive. And periodically what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in there and open a file and modify it a little bit, close it, open it, play a video, close it, and after six months – if all of my data is still there and all of it is intact, and I will know because I have the I have the original, I can see what files were there. Make sure every one of those files opens and plays. If, if after six months that works, I will go whole hog. I have a suggestion. Can we make an addendum? Day. Okay. I mean, this is just I'm just going to put this out there. But how about yeah. we do this? Okay. How about you and I use it 
with the whole with the full head full like sync and everything to okay. distribute all of our production files that we use for last. And because if it if it breaks, we'll just you know you could just don't put your only copy in there. A okay, all and, right, then, okay. and then B if it breaks, you just use the FTP like you always do, and I'll go pull it off FTP. All right, deal. So right. and then what we could do is uh, I'll use the sync client. You can use the sync client. Well, and let's use mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, we're gonna have to play with the federated server stuff. And because what uh-huh. I'm thinking is we'll, we use feder- we use the federated server stuff to share like a production folder between the two of us, right. which should right. then sync to both our machines. Okay. And because the own cloud instance I'm using now, I'm gonna stick with too. So okay. Oh, good. You good. finish yours up. I'll finish mine up. I'll get SSL yeah. turned on. You already have SSL, right? Do you? I do. Yeah. yeah. I'll get SSL working on mine. Did you use Let's Encrypt on yours? I did. Yeah. I think I'll. And you've done a how-to on that before, so I'll just follow your uh-huh. how-to uh, yep. to do that. Um, all right. So why don't we take just a second and talk about federated sharing because that's how we're going to pull this off. And this is one of the things I've seen the biggest change in version nine of OwnCloud. Uh, so they've had it before. Uh, they called it like federated cloud sharing or something like that. Um, now it's it's kind of it's been jazzed up a little bit and a little easier to share a file with another user on a different own cloud server. You just need to know the federated cloud ID and enter it in the own cloud share dialog. And Noah, double check me if I'm getting this right, but your your own cloud uh, um, federated your 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 federated cloud ID for own cloud is username at own cloud instance the full URL. So it'd be it'd be HTTP FTQ yeah yeah the fully the, the qualified FTQ, domain. Yeah. Yep. Uh, HTTPS or HTTP, fully qualified, fully actually, I think it has to be HTTPS, fully qualified domain uh, slash own cloud if you need it, and then it's username at that that is right. your so it's username at HTTPS colon slash slash your fully qualified domain slash the path to your own cloud server. For Noah and I, it's at the root of our domain, so we don't have a slash there, uh, and right. that's all you need to know to share a file from one to, to basically connect to own cloud servers together. And once you share a file, that that is across both own cloud servers, they've become essentially federated, which is really neat. Right. And then if you add that cloud ID to your contacts, the shared the share dialog would automatically show Noah every time I type it in there. So if I add Noah's federated cloud ID to my contacts, I can then just type Noah in my share dialog on any file and any folder in OwnCloud on my instance, and it will show up on his instance. And I believe, uh, if I remember right from the interview, once you do one user, the entire directory gets sunk so that if you add, like, for instance, Angela on your OwnCloud instance, she will pop up in my share to dialog. I think that, I, I, do that recall, I do kind of recall him saying that. You're right. I do yeah. remember that. Uh, so that's so that's pretty slick. And one of the things that's nice about OwnCloud, uh, so I've connected it to SFTP external storage, Drop and Dropbox successfully. I had issues connecting to Google Drive and Amazon S3. S3 is just complicated as hell. But uh, Google Drive kept giving me uh, OAuth errors. So I, I just – this to me is – if you think about it, a nice first step. But what I would really like, if I could have a wish list for an own cloud feature, go Plex Media Server on me, right? Give me like yeah. – I just I just give Noah a, a login and uh, my own cloud server shows up as an option on his tree and he can see as much or as little as I give him access to because maybe I put him in a group and that group has access. It's – with Plex, you don't just have access to a person's one episode of a show or one movie. You get access to their whole library. Now, I mm-hmm. like the ability to share a single file. Don't get me wrong. And they can generate a public URL so you can just share it with mm-hmm. anybody. I like that. But I also would like to say, hey, man, you can have access to everything. 
everything that this group has access to. And right. maybe you could do that if you did it at a high enough level in OwnCloud, but I'd like it to be a little more streamlined, a little more Plex-like. Uh, but that said, I like this functionality, and I think if you and I did like a last production folder and mm-hmm. we shared that root level of the last production folder using our cloud IDs once you get a domain name set up. I have a domain on, on the one. So, so, and that's what I was going to say. So all the little issues that we've been bunking through today, that, that's because this is the one-click deployment. And like I said, I used it for about 20 minutes to see that it works. Oh, that reminds me. Another thing. The own cloud client that is in 14.04 is not up to date enough to oh, sync yeah. with own cloud 9. And so it gives you an error. It says the username is incorrect. That is not the problem. Yeah. The problem is you just need a newer version of the sync client. Yeah. But I, those issues, all of that stuff was because I, I played with it long enough to get that stuff worked out. So I knew the one-click deployment worked and I could kind of see how OwnCloud worked. And then after I got done with that, I spent literally the rest of the weekend working on my private server. And so the one that I'm actually going to keep and use. And that has a fully qualified domain name. That's, that stuff is also because I'm using so, it. Um, it's just the one click I didn't bother. I want to jump on your point. You mentioned the uh, packages in Ubuntu 14.04 for the OwnCloud client are out of date. Right. Uh, OwnCloud has been at the forefront of one of the projects out there that says, our web app is moving way too fast for your slow repos. Do not install OwnCloud from the Debian repo. They are one of the first projects to come out and say that uh, before Docker was a big thing and delivering things in containers was a big thing. Frank, we've, we actually, uh, like two and a half years ago, or maybe more now, three years ago now, I guess, we interviewed Frank, the founder of OwnCloud, and talked to him about this very problem. Um, and it still continues to be an issue. And what Noah just talked about, it underscores this problem. If you go to OwnCloud's website, Noah, they have mm-hmm. download links that actually take you to the OpenSUSE build service. Right. And then you can get a repo or just the deb or the whatever. Deb. And, that, and, and, and install the deb. It works just fine. All right. Um, so uh, real quick, just along this line of thought, though, a little bit of drama happening over on Debian. Uh, and I'm just going to – you know what? I don't even want to get into it. But I'll just link to it in the show notes. Maybe OwnCloud packages are getting pulled from Debian altogether. Uh, it is a fight between – you know what? Maybe I'll talk about it more in Linux Unplugged because it's coming down to a fight between the traditional way of delivering software on Linux and the way web developers with their web applications deliver software. And they both have major advantages and, and, and Martin on the Debian mailing list nailed it. Uh, if you're curious about that, I'll have a link in the show notes. It's really dramatic, though, and I don't really know if it actually fits in a review. But you can go read it if you want to. <clears throat> so I have the own cloud client installed. I'm running under KDE right now. I'm syncing to my server. We'll figure out the finish of the federated ID, and then maybe mm-hmm. we can do like a follow-up and like, I don't know, when the, when, when the audience reminds us in like six months. Somebody out there, set a calendar reminder. Help us out. Yeah. And then uh, we'll do a follow-up. But in the meantime, and you think about it, we should do it soon because for uh, Linux Fest and also oh, yeah. for Self, there's going to yeah. be a ton of stuff yeah. that we need to I sing. I can't imagine how upset you're going to be if I start uploading files to FTP while we're sitting in the same room. It does feel barbaric. I'm just saying. You're like an animal. <laughs> you're like an animal. You could at least use F- SFTP. No. <laughs> All right. So that's the – Alan on that one. So basically our take is um, – I, before we before we wrap it up, I should actually say our, my take is this: uh, if you are an own cloud user today, if you are on version eight, and you're wondering should I upgrade, I would say the answer to that is absolutely yes, without question. It is time for you to upgrade. The way to have a sustainable, successful own cloud implementation is to do every upgrade. Whew, I know that sounds really scary, 
But this is something like for myself, this could be a generational product that I use. I, I, if this goes the way I want, this is something I will be using in 10 years from now. And mm-hmm. so uh, Joss has talked about this and they've always done a great job of updating their blog. Uh, they have a time to upgrade to OwnCloud 9, which I'll link in the show notes that talks about it. Uh, it, it the, the way OwnCloud is structured, the way they're designed, the way their support system works, it is – Absolutely in your best interest to upgrade. Uh, here's the uh, top five reasons. <clears throat> Own cloud usage in the last year went from 2.4 million to 8 million users. And what that means is the newer version has way more users than the older version. And what that also then means is as a project – their priority, their alignment is going to be to that new 6 million user base or so over there that's using the new version, not so much to the older base that's using the older version. And also they want to move ahead, right? So as a project, they are – it is – where their focus and their attention is at right now is absolutely on the latest version. And I know that's a little uncomfortable, but if you even fall behind a little bit, you fall behind just a couple of releases. It can be a major hurdle to upgrade. <clears throat> so – Upgrade. Also, uh, once you start sharing, there's only certain features available in the newer version. That's going to take off fast. And backporting is limited to security fixes for releases that are older than the latest one. So, if you're on one or two behind, if you're on two behind, no updates for you. And if this is something where you have private information, which is likely, if that's why you moved off Dropbox or something else. That's also a major consideration. So when you become an own cloud user, you are also committing to keeping this system up to date. You are committing to doing future upgrades. That is the recommendation from the project. And as somebody who's been using own cloud since at least version six, but I believe even if you look at the archive, probably version four, I can absolutely tell you if you skip those upgrades, it will eventually bite you. So when you become an own cloud user, you are also committing to that. I'm pretty comfortable with that. And because the own cloud project recommends you update, they're taking a lot of steps to make that work pretty well. And they understand a lot of the user base is going to be doing that. And that's one of the reasons why very quickly <clears throat> now for like, I don't know, last, at least like it's from what I recall, the last two releases, maybe more, uh, Joss has an up, time to upgrade uh, a blog post where he goes through all the details. So there you go. That's one thing to keep in mind, but it is truly – it truly feels like, I guess, it's getting there. It's actually getting there. I don't know about the sync. We'll give you our, our feedback on that. But like the, all that other stuff – oh, oh. <clears throat> Jeez, this is really going long. But I did have one couple of bits of negative things to just mention really quick, uh, the, uh, which most of you probably don't care. But uh, the iOS app totally sucks balls. It's so bad. It just like it's a major, major bummer. Uh, it lets you poke at your files. It has some sort of upload capability. But I, what I really needed was the ability to be able to scan documents and then send them to the uh, own cloud app, like I can with BitTorrent Sync and Sync thing. Doesn't happen. That totally sucks. So that's kind of a bummer. And one last thing, I was hoping I could replace Slack or Mattermost or Rocket Chat with OwnCloud for my personal use at home, like home, like family use. I, for, the, for the life of me, I cannot find the Bookmarks app in OwnCloud. Like it's just been removed in version 9. I see no documentation about that. But <clears throat> one of the number one things that my lady and I need to do is bookmark places we want to go and our thoughts on that and then share those bookmarks and then have a discussion about those bookmarks and those links. And 
The fact that they removed that is a major bummer because that's like the number one thing that we're using Slack, Mattermost, Rocket Chat, like all three of them are in deployment right now, uh, is like, here's a link. Here's what I think about that link. I like that it previews that link. Let's have a discussion about that and then go back a week so we can find it. That they removed that bookmarks functionality from own cloud hurts, Noah. It hurts. Any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Telegram. Uh, no, I really enjoyed uh, OwnCloud. Like you said, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving uh, test data in it for six months. I refuse to put anything actually important in in, in OwnCloud. And you know, last time it was like it was like I got sucked like quicksand right into this hole. Like I started with. Um, I started with I was just going to put stuff that I had in other places and I was only going to put duplicates in own cloud and then have that available because cloudiness and butts, whatever. And then somewhere along the way, I was like, screw having local copies. It's so much easier. If I put it in own cloud, I'll be on all my computers. And that's why I get sucked in the first time. That's not that happening happened to me time. too. Test data yep. only for six months before I do anything important. That's Unless exactly you it. get me into this whole production thing, then I'll do that. But. That is, ex- boy, you nailed it. You summed up exactly. And that's exact. That's the, that is what that is the precaution I will be going in with. And we will report back. And then maybe eventually we will be all in. And I am very excited about the future because at least if nothing else, I have a spot for my online documents that I feel good about, that I feel it's under my control and has a super badass domain. That is Linux Action Show's look at OwnCloud9. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode of The Big Show. But before we get out of here, I want to thank System76 for sponsoring this segment of the Linux Action Show. They make powerful computers, and I mean they are wonderful, powerful computers to help you take Linux to the next level. Stop fighting with Linux and enjoy your hardware. Laptops, desktops, and servers. I want to give a plug for the Rattel Pro. I think this is your home server. Maybe the Meerkat, too, depending on your storage needs. But I think the Rattel Pro is your home server. Set up own cloud on that on your premises. Look out the new Sable, or if you need a workstation for yourself, go look at the Leopard or Wild Dog. Or maybe go pro level. Go baller. System76 makes servers, too. You could go deploy one of those bad mamma jams right now. System76.com. Laptops, desktops, and servers. Stop fighting with your hardware and play with your Linux. Just tell them Linux Action Show sent you. A big thank you to System76 for sponsoring this episode. All right. So uh, um, uh, what was his name here? It is uh, – that's right. It's Herb Miller Jr. or a.k.a. Harbinger of Death is joining us on the line to talk about his own cloud installation. Hello, uh, Mr. Miller Jr. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. And I like the Zamerian pronunciation of my name, by the way. Yeah, I got, I got a couple of different takes on it depending. So <laughs> okay. So we just got done talking about our experience with own cloud. Tell me a little bit about your experience with own cloud. So, I, I mean, right out the gate, I'm not, I haven't had any of the, like, syncing issues, like Good. what you guys are describing. I think some pretty big files, like, you know, embedded device images and stuff. And I, I haven't had any issues with that. Do you, are you changing the files much? I mean, so this is one of the things, right, is if you update one of these large files just a little bit, you have to re-upload the entire file. You do. Yeah, so it is time-consuming in that sense. And it also means storage-consuming because it could be keeping a copy of the changed version on the own cloud server. Yeah, and actually I hadn't even uh, thought about that until you mentioned it today where it's like if you eventually fill up the drive, which I haven't run into that situation. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it, it, what it does is it shuts down the whole sync system, which is a bit of a bummer. So how long have you been using yeah. it, and do you are you uh, following every single upgrade? Have you gone from one version to the next version? Has that worked okay for you? Yeah, that actually is not going too smooth. Yeah, I went from like 8.2.0 to 8.2.2, and now I just... 
And, you know, not having any syncing issues, but it's got a lot of weird quirks, like the login screen. So I just know, lost you for a sec. Did you just, did you just oh, say you went, to, you went to version 9 and that hasn't gone so smooth? Yeah. Ah. I did that. I did that today. And, like, <laughs> I just noticed odd things. Like, you know, I got, let me look, I got a message at the top of it right now that says there are problems with the code integrity check. And I don't know if that's oh. because of how I installed it or I don't even know what that means. Well, that's a new feature of version up. 9. Yeah. Yeah. This gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it works. It's still syncing. I just... Uh, Is, so do you have it deployed on your own hardware or a VPS? How are you doing this? I do. I have it deployed on my own machine here. On yeah. your LAN? My LAN, too. Yep. Yeah. Well, actually, nice it's on my web server, so it is on my LAN, but yeah. It's, yeah. Huh. Yeah, All right. Accessible. Well, uh, any other notes, and Mr. Actually, Harbinger? Yeah. Actually, I did want to throw one thing out there about the back end of it. Um, I want to run it off of my SQL, but I can't because it actually, there's like three different PHP versions of MySQL, the interface you can use. It's like MySQLi, PDO, and a really old one that's been deprecated for years. And OwnCloud still uses that really old one, which, of course, you know, I won't install on my system because it's been outdated, you know, outdated for years. So, you know, reluctantly, I'm using SQLite. I prefer to use MySQL, and I'm not sure why they won't move forward with that. Hmm. You know what? If I get a chance, I will try to ask. Or maybe if somebody out there knows, they can let us know in the feedback thread. That is a good question. Well, uh, all right. Keep us posted. Good luck, sir, and thank you for calling into the show. If you are on the line uh, and holding and you want to chat, stay tuned. Maybe we'll pick you up in the post show. But, Noah, we should probably get to an email. And I wanted to start with one that came in that probably was on some folks' mind out there. Luke writes in. He says, I watched last 409 on Sunday live, and Chris mentioned that there's a digital ocean video talking about the pros and cons between software and hardware raid. And I was wondering if you have a link to that video. Well, thank you to the resourceful chat room. We, we dug that link up, and we even time-linked it to right to when that gentleman joins the stage. You can watch the whole thing if you want. It's about an hour long. Uh, but when he comes on board, it's a, it's a pretty interesting moment. And he does have some interesting things to say about software raid. Unused blocks on your, on your solid-state storage. And that was actually one of the main motivations to switching to software raid was to get rid of hardware raid controllers so that we can trim through it. Um, and it ended up providing a lot of other benefits. Rebuilds on RAID are also a lot faster. Um, and Facebook in Linux 4.2 kernel, contrib- we don't run RAID 5 or RAID 6, but um, Facebook has been contributing quite heavily and has moved almost their entire fleet over to using software RAID as well. Um, so I like. I actually think the future is even further than software RAID, which is systems that are aware of the individual spindles, well, the individual disks that they're addressing. ZFF? Sure. Um, (laughs) um, Probably not ButterFS. That's about as far as I'll go. Sorry. There we go. Uh, in fact, uh, it's a great talk. He goes into much more detail about software RAID versus hardware RAID uh, and some of the DigitalOcean details there. So we'll have that linked in the feedback section of the show notes if you guys want to watch all of that. Okay, no, you got an email you want to take? I do. This comes in from... Burr, 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 burr. Uh, uh... Jared S. And Jared S. writes in and he says, Linux as a VM host. <clears throat> and he says, I'm an IT contractor and looking to start introducing my clients to Linux in various situations where it would be beneficial. I'm looking for a lightweight distro that to use to host for a Windows 95 VM. Yikes. The computer will not be connected to the internet. It will communicate with a large machine via an isolated network, though. <clears throat> the software that was written for the machine only runs on Windows 95, and of course, the company has long since gone under. I've successfully converted... 
the current Windows 95 machines to VMware virtual machines, and I'm now looking for a lightweight distro to run the VM Workstation player that will auto-launch Windows 95 VM on boot. Also, the machine is running 100% of the time, and it's only off when there's a problem, so it will need to be as stable as possible. Now, this sounds easy, but in order to justify using Linux to my colleagues, it will need to have a setup. It will need to have an easier setup than, say, Windows XP. I say Windows XP, not 7 and newer, because the host will be on older hardware, and so it's totally isolated as an Yikes. obvious security issue. That feels the distro, old and limited. The distro will need to be compatible with serial ELO, uh, ELO touch screens as well as Windows XP. One would have to install Windows, all drivers, then install the uh, VM Workstation player and create a batch file to auto-start VM Workstation. There, there may be a case where there's no benefit to going with Linux, but I'm trying to ease my clients and colleagues into being more comfortable with it. To recap, distro requirements, easy to set up, compatible with ELO touch screens, compatible with VM Workstation player, and stable will not be connected to the internet. Now, to answer your question in the way that you've asked it, I would say if you're looking for a stable, uh, a stable, easy to set up Linux distribution that's very lightweight and that will that will that's capable of running a uh, uh, VM workstation player, I'd probably say. And I don't know what you think, Chris, but something like Ubuntu Mate. Hmm. Yeah. If you're going to use the if yeah if you're going to use the UI, absolutely. Yeah. So, but if I would go about this a slightly different way, what I would do if I were in your shoes. <clears throat> is I would set up a dedicated VM host, and I would not run it on VM Workstation. I'd run it in libvirt-d. And then I would import those VM, uh, because it can read the disk images from VM Workstation, and I would import those and have that being hosted on the server. And then I would use separate machines, and these can be anything. It could be anything from a Chromebook from 150 bucks or a Chromebox to an Intel Nook to old workstations that you're not using anymore. And you install uh, whatever distro you want and install... um, Vert Manager to automatically start and connect yeah, man. to that uh, that particular virtual machine. And the great thing about doing that is you can clone that uh, virtual machine like 10 different times and 10 different people can access 10 different machines Preach it, or no. Preach it. you have 10 different workstations to control that single Windows 95 machine. If, very, if there's one workstation that's connected to a, a single piece of equipment and you want multiple people to make changes throughout the day, it, it, it tremendously increases your flexibility. Also, when you have from, from that idiot that opens up Google Chrome and goes and downloads stuff or cocks up the computer, you throw that workstation out and reimage it and put it back without ever actually touching your virtual host or, more importantly, the very, very what I would assume by this point is a very, very, very delicate Windows 95 install. That's the way I would go about it. Uh, I've never installed GNU slash Linux. There you go. That's a good, that's We're a good call. Have to. That's a good call. <laughs> you want this to work. All right, Noah. So we've been waiting all episodes. Something huge is happening at Linux Fest Northwest. There is an Emma versus Noah competition to switch as many people to Linux as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been a development. There's been a development, Noah. And uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this, and I apologize. Okay. I got word about this uh, about Wednesday, so I wasn't the first to know. Mm-hmm. There is some betting going on inside Jupiter Broadcasting. Okay. About Emma versus Noah. And so we need to get a handle on this and we need to discuss this. And to, 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 let's just say I want to move things in your direction. I've, okay. I've introduced – I want to introduce something that I think will bring and amp up the drama. And we're going to let the chat room vote and they're going to decide. Are you ready? All right. We need to officially introduce – Noah versus Emma music. We have two choices. This will be the music that we play when we're discussing this absolutely important battle. And then we will let the chat room vote. Number one from from, uh, Incompetech, because let's be honest, I couldn't afford to actually buy any music, so I'm just using freebie music. Number one from Incompetech is called, and chat room, you're going to have to vote, Clash Defiant. 
ladies and gentlemen, once a year, a competition like never before in the history of computing. One man versus one woman and the entire world of Windows users. What do you think? Are you buying it so far? Uh, Solid 8 out of 10, for sure. Okay, all right. What I like about this is got set up, right? And it's building, and we can talk about it. Okay, are you getting excited, right? I am. Okay, so that's... That's option number one. And now, Chatham, you're going to vote. Now, option number two, I like this because it's called Hitman. And I'm picturing Noah, and he's, like, sniping Windows users, and he's getting them to switch to Linux. Hitman. He's hired to switch them to Linux. Here it is. In April. Kind of at the end of April, actually. Analytics conference. One man. One woman. We'll switch as many people to Linux. Yeah, I like, I like number two. Decide, decide uh, don't sway the votes. All right, I'm going to drop okay, the straw poll in Sorry. the chat room right now. Chat room, you tell us which one do you like. Here are your options. Option number one. Right? Serious. Intense. Determined. This is a battle. It's building. You like this. Okay, that's option number one. Option number two. Cinematic. A once in a lifetime event. Changing lives. Going out there. Into the wild. Finding those Windows 7 users who don't want to go to Windows 10. Somebody who wants to reinvest in their existing hardware. Somebody who's concerned about privacy and security in a cyber world. That's number two, right? That's what number two says to me. I Are think both of these from Incompetech, or where's this I going? Incompetech, yeah, Incompetech, okay, yeah. Okay, cool. So, so we're not. I mean, we're not investing a lot of money here, but we can use them, and then these will be the bed for when we're doing the competition update. So, chat room, you have to vote. Uh, so you have to go to strawpoll.me slash seventy two o three four four three o. And go, uh, go cast your vote. I'm going to see what the results are right now. Early results are, well, number number two actually, Noah. So we'll let people awesome. vote for the rest of the episode and see where they see where they wind right. up. But uh, that will be where they met. That's right. And don't forget Teespring.com/slash. Here's the thing to support the initiative. We're going to have music. We're going to have swag. We're going to have music. You guys, a theme song. Come on, it's a competition with a theme song. And soon we'll have a meetup. And I've, I've been thinking about this, Noah. I think what you need to do. No, you got to focus. I'm you, listening. We, what you got to do is you got to get you got to get you got to get your head in this. You got to contact Jed. Uh, you got to okay. work with the blog uh, up there. You got You got to get groundwork in. Emma is doing practice runs, dude. She's doing practice runs Here's in Denver. I love how people are. T- Let me tell you how that started. I was having a conversation with her, and I was like, "Here are the things that Ansel is suggesting for places. What do you think?" And she's like, "Well, I kind of like to do it like in a public place, you know, just ask people." And I said, "Well, here are the concerns with doing that." And she said, "Well, maybe I'll try a practice run and let you know if it works, and then I could more defend." So I told Angela that, and then she told, I assume you, that, and like it's gotten around. But now people are telling me they're like, "Did you know Emma's doing a practice run?" I'm like, "Yes, yes, that happened in a yeah. conversation." Yeah. With yeah. Me. Okay. All right. All I'm saying right now, and if anybody knows, here's what I'm saying. Okay. There is internally, inside, and I don't know who all's in in on it, but I have a couple of ideas. Inside, internally, in JB, there is betting taking place right now on Noah versus Emma. And I think the odds are on Emma winning right now. And so what I want to do is I think you and I should get in on the action. Let's open it up to the audience. If anybody knows of like a fun, internet funny, you know, just no thrills betting where we could bet Internet cookies. 
I say we're let's see where the odds shake out because they're, they're, the the currency is burgers, and it is happening. And I I want to get in on the action if nothing else. So I I want to place my bets. If anybody out there knows, I feel like that's I feel like that's 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 equivalent to like a coupe de a coupe de trois, a coupe de ta, a coupe de what is it? What is it? A coup. What the, the thing where like your where your own people are working against you? I think people are just looking at uh, Emma. Emma's a dog with a bone right now, and you're kind of yeah. like, yeah, I'll figure it out when I get there. And I think people are voting on the people on the are betting on the person. I feel like that of, should tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? All right. I'm just saying. I'm right. just saying. All right. All right. All right. We've got to wrap it up. We've got to wrap it up. Okay, but right. it, it's going to happen. We need to pick the location ASAP. And I need if anybody in the Bellingham area has a suggestion of where we could go that wouldn't be interrupting people because I here's my I don't want my boy to go out there and try to get people to switch to Linux and then get rejected because you're interrupting their meal or you're, they're getting their – they're on a date or whatever. So I want Noah to have the best success possible. So I need your suggestions on where we could go during Linux Fest, like in the nighttime or something. Right. I'm going to try to get the crew to go in and work people for you and funnel them into you so you'll have people coming towards you. Now, they can't do all the legwork, but my plan is we're going to have a – I probably shouldn't say too much, but let's just say we'll have people. And they're going to take care of stuff for us. But you're going to have to have your game face on, and we're going to have to have a great location. Conducive to switching. Bottom line. That works. That works. All right. That's coming up. You can find out more in the show notes, and uh, hopefully soon we'll have an update. So it looks like, before we wrap up, uh, our winner is number two, Noah, the Hitman, because you're sniping people. Sniping people. So, uh, Hitman, where would you suggest people go throughout the week to find you? Twitter, twitter.com slash Colonel X. Every once in a while, you know, it's funny. I post random things on Twitter, and it's it's been very interesting to me because I wasn't a Twitter user prior to JB, and I, I've, I've kind of tried to embrace the Twitter sphere. And what I have noticed is, like, the weirdest, like, the things that I don't necessarily think are going to be super popular end up being super popular. So last week, I think it was, I was I had a client that was asking me for a specific distro, and he says, well, I'll just, I'll go download the ISO, and I'm like, nah, I got it, I got a bag of flash drives in the car, I'm sure I've got it. And so I go there, and I pull my flash drive out, and he's like, holy good God, you have a lot of flash drives. So I dumped them out on my desk, and took a picture, and put it up on Twitter, and it got like 140 likes, and I'm like, it's just a bunch of flash drives. People like, have been that? there, man. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I liked your tweet, too. Can you tell what I do for a living? Yeah. <laughs> That's the hit, man, ladies and gentlemen, the Linux switcher. He'll be switching people at Linux Fest Northwest. Stay tuned. Soon we'll have a meetup where you can go to get to bring your friends and family over. Think of it as this. Your host on the Linux Action Show and their crew will personally switch your friends and family to Linux if you bring them mm-hmm. to the switching event. That's right. Handcrafted switching, ladies and gentlemen. We'll That's set right. up their shortcuts for them. We'll log them into their Google Chrome. We'll make mm-hmm. sure they can get their Facebook working. I don't know if we'll log them into their Google Chrome. That would require their password. Yeah, we'll write them all down. What? Shoot, that was my inside voice. Dang it. Dang. All right. Thank you so much for tuning this week's episode of Linux Action Show. Don't forget to follow at Jupiter Signal for more information. Teespring.com slash here's the thing. Linux Action Show at Reddit.com and JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar for our lifetimes. Thanks so much, and we'll see you right back here next week. Teespring.com slash here's the thing. Uh, it is a t shirt or a hoodie or a long sleeve shirt. On the front, it has the often requested classy breast pocket last logo. And on the back, a brilliant, here's the thing, last logo with the JB Rocket. 
Do you have a minute to talk about Linux? Ladies and gentlemen, here's what I love about this shirt. If you don't feel like talking about Linux, you wear a jacket. And when you want to talk about Linux, you flash this bad boy out there at teespring.com slash here's the thing. Get yourself a tea or a hoodie or a long sleeve jacket. Multiple colors are available. And yes, friends, only eight days left to get yourself a very limited edition. Last swag. Ladies and gentlemen, teespring.com slash here's the thing. Help fund our efforts to switch more people to Linux and get out to Linux Fest Northwest. And that's the thing. Back at scale, uh, the my well, this the story actually begins like a couple years ago. I bought the the best camera I have ever owned. I've 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 owned and worked with a number of different professional video cameras, and I found like the sweet spot that I absolutely loved, which is uh, the 150 from Panasonic. It was It's an amazing camera because it has a large sensor. So Because everyone always evaluates cameras based on resolution. So they go, it's 1080p, it's a great camera. Well, not all cameras are made alike, right? And so this, the size of the sensor has a lot to do with it. You can have a 1080p camera for 30 bucks, and technically it has all the dots, but it, they're being exposed to a tiny little sensor. So unless you have like pure bright sunlight, the picture looks like crap. Mm, yeah. And so the 150 had a larger sensor. And so it was great for doing interviews inside of halls and stuff like that. It also provided XLR phantom power so I could use handheld microphones, which is why our interviews sound, I think, better than anyone else that I've ever seen. Boom. Uh, especially, internet, especially, by the way, uh, underscore this point, it's really tough to do those interviews on the floor where it's right. like crazy loud. It's crazy loud. So, yeah, definitely. And the other thing I need, I have to have, is I need professional controls. I need to be able to look and say, it's too bright in here. I need to turn the iris down. Or I want to grab focus on this specific thing. Or I want to, I want this specific shutter frame. And, and you can't do that on cheaper cameras. And so I had, I had a camera that I absolutely loved. Uh, in fact, I took it to bed every night like we, we had a relationship. Mm. And then FedEx destroyed it. And then I was really upset. And so I, there, I'm still in the process of fighting with them to get it fixed. But in the meantime, I needed another camera that I could use for Linux Fest Northwest because it doesn't look like this problem is going to get resolved by then. And so I started to think, well, if I'm going to spend money on another camera, I want to buy a camera that is specifically designed, that's going to work very well for JB stuff in general. And so the one complaint I had with the 150 is it's larger, it's it's bigger. And so I wanted something that was smaller. Like and, and it was funny because as I was thinking this, Chris posts inside of an internal thread, and he's like, you know, it'd be really nice to start filming what happens when we do ham hauling. And so I was like, oh yeah, this is exactly this is exactly the kind of problem I'm starting to try to solve. So I found a camera made by Canon called the XA10, which is tiny, but has XLR inputs, has the same size sensor as the 150, has the ability to mount a shotgun mic, or I can plug in um, wow. my uh, my interview stuff, yeah. and it has, you know, like a manual, manual focus. focus. So two XLR ins, manual focus. Does mm-hmm. it record to SD? Yeah. It's tiny. Two, in, fact, in fact, it has an internal 64 gig solid state, in addition to two mm. SD slots, so I can either record to all three simultaneously or i can record to one and when it fills up record to two when it fills up record to three buddy but the nice thing is about having the two sd card slots is i can take one of your memory cards and one of mine and hit the record button and then say here's your copy of the interviews and then i have a copy that i can take as a backup so if anything ever happens um you know they're, they're they're safe and so i've been playing with it the picture is phenomenal i am super happy with it um they're I do miss, like, the, the nice thing about the 150 is everything had its own button. And so here there's a couple things that are in a menu. Yeah, and yeah. So that's, typical that's Canon thing but, there. 
the reality is you, I only like white balance. It's nice to have a single button to push to capture white balance. But really, when I'm doing interviews, you only set it once anyway. So it's not like we actually white balance before every single interview. So it, it, I think it will be uh, I think the, the benefit. Oh, and here's the other thing I like. <clears throat> I will never have to check it again because you take this little screw. Pull that up and take this little screw and pull that up and then take this little screw and do that and this whole thing slides off Boom. and that comes off and then this goes off and that's basically the same size as a normal little handicap and so it will fit inside of my carry-on bag rather than having to have a, uh, now I don't have to take two Pelican cases everywhere I go. I can just ma- manage with one and keep this in, on, on my person. And hopefully that will keep it from getting broken. I'm going to officially record this so Rikai can put this in the outtakes so everybody knows. I, I have a master plan. I think we're going to burn ourselves out on Here's the thing. We will use it so much that it eventually will become numb to it. You'll, you'll, you'll burn yourself out. I'm not going to stop saying here's the thing. I bet you will. If you say so. Mhm. 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 I've been saying here's the thing since 2002, 2003. Whenever. I know, but it's like it's like it's like when you break somebody from smoking by making them oversmoke. That's a thing. Yeah, I don't think that's a thing, dude. It's totes a thing, dude. Is it? Yeah, it's totes. A okay. Thing. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. If it works, I will buy both you and Rakai five guys. <laughs> <laughs>